finally got the website out. It went live. I think an hour or two later, I got my first order. I mean, it was one of my best mates, but it was still like the best thing ever. <laughs> it's still an order. It's still an order. Sale. Sale yeah. is a sale. I still have that screen grab of like, you know, zero, 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 one order. I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> I'm rich. $50. <laughs> Hi, my name is Emily Chadbourne and welcome to Behind the Change, a podcast to inspire hope. Because let's be honest, sometimes it feels like the whole world has gone to shit. But here at Behind the Change, we speak to amazing humans who are doing really great things to make this world a better place. We find out what drives their leadership, what beliefs hold them firm in turbulent times and what it really takes to grow their businesses and organizations to create even more impact. If you'd like to support our guests and little old me, then please share the episodes that you love. Rate and review because it really does help more people find us. And you can head to the show notes to join Behind the Scenes, a membership where you get bonus podcast episodes from me, exclusive access to a mini cast from every single guest and heaps of other bonus content too. It's only $7 a month and it goes a really long way to supporting this podcast and the guests that we are honoured enough to speak to. Thanks for listening. My loves, welcome to another episode of Behind the Change. Today we speak to Emily Summers. She is the brains and the beauty behind the company Bravery Co. Bravery Co. was born to a dreamer and a traveler, a collector and a designer, Emily herself. She spent her days as an art director in a bubble of color and happiness. And then she got sick and she got real sick. She got cancer. Not once, not twice, but three times. And you know what? She beat it. Not once, not twice, but three times. Inspired by her own experience of chemotherapy, cancer, naps and turbans, she is on a mission to create some very cool cancer headwear in the hope to give bravery to others going through something that she knows only too well. So why don't we start at the very beginning and tell me a little bit about how the journey started for you. Yeah, sure. I suppose to tell the story of bravery, I kind of have to tell a little bit about my story because they're very closely intertwined. And the start of that is when I was about 26, I found a lump underneath my clavicle bone, underneath my collarbone, um, which I wasn't so worried about, but I went and got it checked out and went off for a scan. They sent me off for another scan. And I remember the second scan I had in the morning and then it was by the afternoon that the doctor surgery had rung me and said we need to see you tonight to discuss the results and I know enough about you know the medical world having family in medicine that that's not good that's never good if they want to see you on the day um so went in and brought my best friend with me and they basically explained that we are hoping that the little lump is tuberculosis who the hell gets tuberculosis is that even still a thing now if not pneumonia Otherwise, um, we're looking at cancers. So not really what you want to hear as a 26-year-old. That really spun my mind. And then the next day I was in an oncology appointment uh, and the doctor kind of took one look at me and you know, did an examination and kind of said, I think that it might be Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which is a type of blood cancer. And he was right. We did it, obviously did a biopsy after that and, yeah, got diagnosed with... Hodgkins, uh, which is pr- 
pretty much a young person's cancer and it lives in your immune system, in your lymph glands and stuff. So that sent me off for a good six months of chemo, which, you know, led to all the fun things of losing your hair, becoming that cancer patient. uh, And it was just, that was a really bizarre time. I suppose I was very stubborn at that stage because I didn't want cancer to slowly down. I suffer a lot from FOMO. So I wanted to still go to all the parties, still went to the music festivals, which in hindsight were not, it's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> went to work, still did one week of work, and then I'd have chemo on the Monday and take that week off. Um, and through this stage, um, wore a wig. I really didn't want in my – I was working in a big advertising agency at the time, um, and I didn't want to be known as the girl with cancer. So I really tried to just pretend that it wasn't happening and just be like, no, I'm fine. This isn't going to stop me. This isn't going to change anything. And that's kind of how I got through that little part of the story. Then went into remission, got the all clear, lovely clear scans. Um, wonderful. It was eight months later that I was having just a checkup with my oncologist and I was feeling great. I was um, doing PT and waking up at 6am and running around the tan, which is unheard of for me, and had just dumped a really shitty boyfriend. And then, um, yeah, my oncologist said, look, we found something on your scans. There's lumps in your chest. Um, so obviously I couldn't feel them uh, and we're pretty sure that your cancer's back. And I was just like, motherfucker. So I think that was worse than the first time. That definitely was worse than the first time. That was really, really shattering. It was really hard to hear, especially after I felt like I was just getting my life back and getting my health back, getting my social life back, my love life back, all these things. And to know exactly how hard that first round was and knowing that what they had on the plate for me this time was yes chemo but this time a stem cell transplant which is horrific and um, radiotherapy after that Um, and it was going to take you know six to eight months of of treatment and then all the recovery I was just yeah I fell apart I completely broke so weirdly well not weirdly but I had a holiday booked the next weekend to Byron Bay my happy place so went up there with all my mates and I remember sitting on um sitting on the uh, the beach really early one morning and just sitting there by myself thinking, how the hell am I going to get through this? I need to devise a plan or, you know, figure out a fun way so I feel like I'm not just wasting my life or wasting this chunk of my life and kind of find some silver linings in this whole shit show. So I decided I wasn't going to work, that I needed to, (laughs) I needed to, you know, focus on my health and rest and uh, recovery instead of um, charging through work. I also decided, um, you know, little things like I wanted to get into yoga and I wanted to really understand nutrition and what I was eating and change my diet um, because I'd read so much about it through the first time, but I kind of was at my capacity of things to learn at that point. Whereas this, this round, I was like, I'm ready to know all the other complementary stuff that I can be doing and take that on board because obviously Western medicine is great, but sometimes it doesn't, it's not, you know, it's not a hundred percent going to work because it didn't. So I want this time to like completely leave no rock unturned and do every weird woo woo type of healing alongside my chemo and stem cell transplant and radio and stuff. And I decided that I want to start my own business. I didn't know what that business would be yet. Um, I kind of had an idea that maybe it might be around care packages for cancer patients, cancer warriors, as I like to call them, 
because it was really interesting watching my friends trying and help and especially when they were bringing me gifts and it would be, you know, with all the love and intention and, you know, that they'd give them to me but it would be chocolate that was, um, you know, Cadbury chocolate, which, mm. I mean, I knew enough that sugar's not great. Sugar, cancer loves sugar. Yeah. So I was trying to steer away from that. So, you know, trying to make it um, darker chocolate flowers which half the time my immune system was so low that um you you can't have flowers you can't have them delivered to the hospital either and just just things that I'm like you know bits and pieces that I picked up along the way that I was like this would be meaning this would be helpful this would be meaningful Mm. this is what you know you need as a a chick going through cancer so that set me off and I was like right okay these are my things it's going to be okay I'm going to do this Um, I'm going to start my I'm not going to go to work I'm going to take some time off work because I want to concentrate on my health. I know, but, but I'm going to take my own business. Take up seven hobbies and I'm going to start a business. Yeah. What a walk in the park this is going to be. Yeah, you're right. No one's really said that to me, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. But and so off I went, did my um did chemo, did 10 weeks of chemo, then did a stem cell transplant after that. Also froze my eggs as my fertility was going to take a massive hit and most likely I'd be infertile afterwards so pops megs in the freezer and then yeah i went through some horrific rounds of chemo and lost my hair completely this time the first time it kind of just really thinned out and i shaved it but there was always like a little bit of color on my head whereas this time i was shiny 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 bald and this time i didn't want to wear my wig anymore it felt like i was going backwards to wear wendy the wig as my wig was named so i started playing around with scarves and watched lots of YouTube tutorials and made lots of Pinterest boards and yeah, started rocking them and feeling, feeling like it was, I was kind of wearing these as a fashion item, not so much as a, because I was, had lost my hair. And it was during that time that I had loads of people firstly in the street that would stop me. I was living north side of Melbourne, so very hipster. Uh, lots of, you know, people that stopped me and be like, oh, my God, how do you tie a scarf? And I'm like, do they know that I'm sick? I'm not sure if this is a, a pity compliment or a, a real compliment. Pretty sure it's a real compliment, but maybe some of them were pity compliments. And then also loads of girls in the chemo wards that would ask me how I tied my scarf, and I had loads of different knots and turbans and twists and um, ways to, to wrap it around my, my bald head. So it was really, I think that was a pivotal moment for me because I thought this is so easy, not easy, but, you know, I I just researched it. And I think as an art director, I go and make mood boards and Pinterest boards of, like, how I want want something to look. But obviously they, some women that doesn't come naturally to, and it was just so lovely to be able to help them and to see them once I had tied the scarf in just a different way. They just, their confidence... And just even the way they walked was completely different. And that was, yeah, that was, that was a, I can still remember the first lady I helped and I was like, wow, that felt so nice. And it was so easy for me to do that. And it's just, every woman should feel this confident whether you've lost your hair or not. So that happened, finished all my treatment, got my life back on track, told myself I wouldn't go back into advertising, went into advertising, got sucked right back in. (laughs) Which was great. I mean, it was nice to go back and work in a big agency and have um, all my friends there and uh, just go back to normal life, mm-hmm. I suppose. And uh, how old were you at this point? Then I would have been 29. Uh, was the second time I got diagnosed, uh, yeah, when I was, I think, around about 28. So it would have been about 29. I did a couple of years of advertising and then I um, 
got itchy feet, got the all clear from my oncologist actually. He said, two years out, you're pretty safe to go. You can do whatever you want now. And I was like, sweet, I'm leaving the country. <laughs> um, so, See you later. Yeah, yeah. As unhappy as my parents were, they were like, oh, God. Um, and I booked a trip overseas and I think it was that point that I was like, if I don't start this, this business that has been slowly, very slowly kind of developing in my brain and, you know, I had the branding down. I still thought it was going to be bravery boxes, which was the care packages. But I looked at my savings and I realised all the lovely products that I wanted in these boxes and then how much I needed to get myself overseas was not going to work. So I, at the last minute, just thought, I'm just going to do scarves. I thought scarves were going to be something that would be in the boxes, but I then jumped and said, no, it's about the scarves. It's going to be Bravery Co. And we're going to start with that and do boxes later. So I bought three three designs at a trade show and they were just a brand that I'd worn when I was when I had no hair that I'd just found in a gift shop somewhere. So I stalked that brand, then went and bought some of her. I think I bought three designs and I had five scarves each or something like that. It was tiny. I had a mate that was a photographer that um, did a photo shoot on the cheap um, and I had another friend who, who had cancer um, who modelled with me. So um, it's a big hard rule that all my models have had or have cancer. So we goofed around behind the camera, got some photos and then off I went on my trip and it wasn't until I was in Thailand um, at a co-working space on a beach somewhere that I launched Bravery and Finally got the website out. It went live. I think an hour or two later I got my first order. I mean, it was one of my best mates, but it was still like the best thing ever. <laughs> it's still an order. It's still an order. A sale, sale yeah. is a sale. I still have that screen grab of like, you know, 0001 order. I'm like, woohoo, <laughs> I'm rich, $50. <laughs> and and that was the start. I suppose that's how it, how it all began. And was that the end of your cancer journey? No, no. So then I went overseas. I This overseas trip was a bit of like a, a digital nomad trip where I went and lived in a different, a different city every month and moved around from Asia to Europe. Um, and I got to Europe and then I got to Berlin and I love Berlin. And um, I had a mate there that um, said, do you want to go do some freelance in Berlin? And I was like, yes, I'll come up for a couple of weeks. And then I didn't leave for Such like four or five. Such a good party oh scene, isn't it? It's yeah. so, so fun. Um, it was the middle of winter, so the party – it was – it was a harder party yeah. soon, but it was for the committed. <laughs> Still there, though. And so I was there for four or five months. And then I hooked up with an old workmate. And he lived in London. And I suppose then eventually I moved over to London, even though we'd only been seeing each other for about two months. Two months like, is a long time when you're a digital nomad. Well, yes, mm. exactly. I'm like, mate, sink or swim. Yeah. Like, either I go home to Australia or I'm moving in. So I moved in and... We're still together now, so that's that's a win. Um, but so I lived in London for a couple of years and then found a lump on my neck, which, yeah. Did you know that when you felt, did you just inherently know you were like, oh, it's that? Yeah, I, I knew that something wasn't right. It was I knew that it was different to the lymphoma because it was a hard lump and it was in my neck. And I kept on thinking, no, 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 there'd be some days that I'd, I'd move around and look at my neck and I'd be like, I think it's muscular. I think that it, I think it's just a muscle. And then there'll be other days where I'm like, it is so blatantly a lump. And then it kind of grew a little bit more. And I went to my GP in London and love hate relationship with the NHS, but they kind of, you know, I went through the system. I got a bit lost. They didn't know who to refer me to. They did an ultrasound. They realized it wasn't lymphoma. So that was a big day. That was awesome. And then 
they sent me back and they um, they diagnosed it as a schwannoma, which is a benign kind of lump that lives in a nerve sheath, um, which it very much looked like that, but it kept on growing and there was just something in my gut that was like, this isn't right. Like, I just want a biopsy. I would like someone to biopsy so that I definitely know. And again, my referral got lost. This was about six months later. And in the end, I was like, okay, I'm going to go privately and find a doctor. I need to advocate for myself and for my own mental health. So I found someone that dealt in lumps and bumps and sarcomas. And he looked at the scan and he was like, no, no, I'm pretty sure that this is a schwannoma. And I was like, yeah, no worries. I would still like a biopsy. And he's like, let's do another scan and see if it's grown. And it had grown. And I was like, can I please have the biopsy now? I did the biopsy. He's like, I still think it'll be nothing. I'm like, no worries. Great. And then walked into the room when he had the results and he'd just been away. And I was like, how's your holiday? How's France? Da, 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 da. Like, it's not giving me much back. Usually it was pretty chatty. And um, yeah, and he's like, Em, you were right. It's, um, it was a sarcoma. And I was just like, of course I was fucking right. I knew, I, I knew something was wrong. And it's taken such a long time. And what scared me about this is sarcomas are a lot scarier. Sarcomas is not a, lymph, uh, not a Hodgkin's lymphoma where it's fairly treatable and curable. Sarcomas that can, you know, if you don't catch them early enough, they're not curable. It's uh, a terminal cancer. So that obviously was terrifying and made me really angry and but made me so grateful that I trusted my gut because who knows how long that could have grown for. We were planning to go for a big, long travel through um, through South America for five or six months and I just think, God, if I had have left it then and just... I don't know where I would have been. Anyway, we did the PET scan. It was just in my neck. So we were we packed up our bags, we packed up our house, we packed up our life in London and we were back home within a week and went to Peter Mac and then things started going for sarcoma, which, yeah, is a shitty little lump that most likely was caused by the radiotherapy that they treated my lymphoma for. Right, wow. So we uh, treated it with radiotherapy (laughs) and then chopped it out. Um, So this one in a way was in a way easier because we didn't – chemo doesn't really help sarcoma. It's such a rare type of cancer that they know the treatment plan – treatments haven't been really updated for about 20 years because there's just no funding um, and there's not enough, you know, people getting it, I suppose, to warrant the funding, which is bloody sad for sarcoma Mm. warriors. Uh, and so, yeah, we, um, yeah, but I was, I was lucky. It worked without chemo. They chopped it out. It was a big, long 11 hour surgery. It was wrapped up in my nerves around my neck. Um, so when I woke up, they thought that I, I would have lost the function of my left arm. But weirdly, when I woke up, I started moving my fingers and they were like, Oh my God. And I couldn't lift my arm up for about six months above my head. I could move my forearm up if that makes sense and use my hand, but my arm wouldn't lift so I had some more nerve reconstruction transplant operations and now now I can lift it up so touch wood touch wood wherever the wood is <laughs> find me some wood find yeah yeah some wood. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I have been known to like leave the room to touch yeah. the wood I've just like <laughs> touched the floor tree. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> everyone touch the wood <laughs> touch the wood that that is the end of my uh, little cancer saga or long cancer saga but yeah 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 so beat it three times. Yes. Touch wood again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel like I'm so now superstitious. I'm like, can't jinx myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not only that, not only did you beat cancer three times, 
but you have started this business and you're such a voice and an advocate for other people. Mm. I was reading your blog actually late last night mm. and I don't have cancer, but I found so much comfort mm. in your words. And actually there was quite a lot of education in there for me mm. because I am of the age now where friends or, yeah. you know, my own mum had and passed away as a result of cancer and it is much more prevalent in my actual world Mm. so actually just some of the advice that you had and just a little glimpse into what it's really like even the way that you talk about fear Mm. the fear of your scan date you Mm. you name your fear don't you yeah um warren 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 the Walter, fear. Walter, Walter the fear. You know what? I don't think about Walter until just before my scan time. So at the moment, I'm like, well, Walter, good. who is Walter? A, I don't know sign. who Walter is. Good signing. Yeah, in talk to me in about three months, and I'll be like, fucking Walter. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> he is again that bastard. Yeah. So just you know, it, even aside from the phenomenal business that you're building, like your articulation and how you're oh, showing up, you. and even just you know the the kind of sisterhood that you are creating around bringing people together so that they feel less alone yeah that the world needs more of those spaces yeah it's phenomenal yeah I think that's as much as we are I suppose an e-commerce business I sell scarves but there's been a big shift in my business and myself to like a community to a platform where chicks can go to to find the people that get it because I yeah I do remember when I was um when I was diagnosed before you know, Instagram and before Facebook groups were that great. Yeah, there was only one or two people that I knew that were kind of my age that that had cancer and just conversations with them were a lifeline for me. Like they, these, you know, hour-long chats on the phone were just, these girls got it. I could be really open and honest and raw and I knew I wouldn't scare them um, and I knew that they would have similar stories or they'd just know the right things to say yeah, so I, I think I think the, the the community is is really it's big part of bravery and a big part of why I'm still still doing it. Yeah, um, yeah. For the girl, these girls, rather than the the beautiful scarves that I'm also creating, so. mm, which is what a beautiful what a what a sort of brucey bonus. These beautiful, amazing <laughs> yeah. scarves. Come yeah. to this website, you can buy yeah. a scarf, but you could, you also get to be part of this community. Yeah, yeah. Which is just why it works and why it's so delightful. Yeah. What have been some of your biggest leadership lessons in terms of being a business owner? Yeah, yeah. I suppose um, I was thinking about this question a lot. And one of my biggest learnings, especially, I don't know, I've had a bit of a tough year this year for a billion different reasons. Um, But I think one thing that I've learned is that the time that I take out of the business, the time that I take for myself to do, you know, yoga or go for a walk or exercise or just spend some time away from the screen makes me a better leader and a better mum and a better partner, a better person. And I don't think I ever really thought about it this way because I always felt guilty for, you know, not being busy and not having doing stuff. I think that's also coming from advertising where it's just like, go, 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 the moment that you walk in the door till when you leave, it's so busy and it's so frantic and you have to be productive or else what are you doing and yeah it's it's that's been a, that's been my last five six months learning is that I can't feel guilty about taking time out because it's not just for me that I'm doing this you know self-love 
just even going for a walk on the beach. Like, why am I feeling guilty about that? But it's just like, it's between nine and five. I should be like, you know, look at my to-do list. Look at what I've got to do. It's just, it's silly, really. And it's silly with all the lessons that I've also learned through cancer and through health and why aren't I prioritising this? But sometimes it just slips from your brain and sometimes... Well, it's so ingrained, isn't it? It's so ingrained in our paradigm. And really, when you look at it sort of objectively, when you take a step back and you realise that the working eight-hour, nine-to-five, five-day-a-week day is a model that was built on workhouses. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. that's a thing of the past, thank goodness. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm the same. I've been working for myself. I mean, I never had a nine-to-five job. I worked in hospitality for most mm. of my life until I started my own thing. And so I've never really done a nine-to-five job. And yet... From Monday morning at nine o'clock, I feel like I should be at my yeah. laptop. Yeah. And it's taken such a long time. And it's still an ongoing conversation that I have to have with myself. It's yeah. like, it's a Wednesday afternoon and you are allowed to yeah. read a book, yeah. go for a walk, yeah. have lunch with a friend. But it's just so ingrained yeah. in our culture. And our worth is so wound yes. up with our productivity. Or not even our productivity, being busy. Because yeah. being busy and being productive are two different yeah. things. Yep. Yeah. I am the queen of spending six hours at my laptop and getting 30 minutes of yes. work done. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, I think that state of flow and getting in that is something that I'm – I think I have that in one of my other um, answers, but it's it's something that I've learned recently that I'm like, why aren't we taught this at school? That instead of sitting and faffing and procrastinating and, you know, just dribbling around your emails, why aren't we like – Set an intention, get yourself set up for flow, go for a walk beforehand, get your mindset ready, then sit down, turn off all the distractions and do it mm-hmm. and then stop and go and have another walk. Like, yeah. I just, I learned that only last year and I was just like, mind blown, mind yeah. blown. <laughs> yeah. One of my new tricks is not being in the house. Yeah. Um, yep. My yep. dog hates it. He's just like, what are you doing? Why are you leaving me? Yeah, I'm like, You're the worst co-worker in the whole world. <laughs> He's such a distraction. I'm like, oh, come on then, let's have a little cuddle. Um, but now I sort of give myself two to three hours every yep. day where I go and I work, yep. either in a co-working space or I go and work in a cafe. Yep. I'm hoping that when the spring comes, I might even do yep. some work outside. Yeah. And I, like, literally put everything that I need to do in that two to three hour block. Yeah. And honestly, I operate a business where I don't need to work really more yeah. than two to three hours a day. Yeah. One of the things that's highlighted to me is I need a different purpose outside of my business. Mm. So I'm like, now I have to, because all of my friends work nine to five. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, there's only so many walks that my dog can handle. (laughs) He's only got little legs. Um, Isn't that a lovely problem to have? Isn't it a great problem to have? To be like, okay, what's my new new thing going to be? Yeah. And what a nice, like thing to happen in your 30s and not like your 70s where you're like oh god I've wasted my whole life and I've just you know sat at a computer the whole time done you know 70% meaningless stuff Mm. yeah it is it is yeah that's been a big learning also I suppose learning that you can't help everyone and I think especially as a business owner in a purpose-led business where it's you know it's got a lot of heart behind what I do I started it because I wanted to help girls, but you sometimes can't help everyone. And in, you know, the world that I work in, it's fucked. Doctors can't help some girls, you know. The universe or God or something can't help some girls, and I certainly can't help, you know, with what you know, whatever support and scarves that I provide. And that's been, yeah, at some point you have to set boundaries and 
step away a bit to to kind of protect yourself, which has been a really hard learning, and it still is. I'm still learning as to where where that fine line is between helping as much as I can and then not as a cancer patient also not triggering myself by surrounding myself with so many of these amazing, beautiful stories that I love sharing, but I think all cancer warriors will understand that some days it's just too much, especially around scan time or especially if you're, you know, found a lump or feeling a bit run down or, you know, there's some niggle in your left thigh that you're like, this is cancer. Yeah. You can't read those stories and it's, yeah, it's, it's learning when enough is enough and to step back and to yeah, take care of yourself, which I suppose flows right into my first point as well. Mm. It's that self-care part. Um, yeah. and Boundaries as part of your yeah. self-care. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's also that surrender piece, isn't it? Like the more that I, and again, I think the sort of the rise of social media does this, isn't it? It's given us this whole new window into how completely and totally and utterly fucked the world is and quite how much suffering there is in the world. And, uh, you know, my initial response is like, well, I need to help everything. I need yeah. to help every cause. I yeah. need to get behind everything. I need to donate to everything. My yeah. voice needs to go to everything. And, of course, it, it, you can't yeah. do that. And I think the, the theme that runs through it all is, like, the question of, like, why? Why the suffering? Why does this person suffer? Or... You know, why do why why am I blessed with this privileged mm-hmm. life and this person isn't? Why did it work out for me but it didn't work out for that other person? And at, at some point, part of that self-love, self-care, yeah. boundaried journey has to be to surrender yeah. and just to say, I don't have the answer and I have to surrender that back to, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, yeah. fate, yeah. the big void, whatever yeah. it is that yeah. you do or don't believe in. Like, I say this to my friends all the time, like, you have to just give that back to God. Yep. The bit that you don't understand, yeah. you have to place at the feet of yep. whatever God is for yep. you. Yep. Because otherwise, you render yourself useless yep. in your mission to help as much of the suffering as you possibly can. Exactly. And I think, weirdly, talking about God, my, um, my wonderful life coach, um, I had a very good cry with her a couple of weeks ago, and she said, Emily, you are not God. This is not your responsibility. You've got to let it go. And I was just like, I mean, it sounds stupid to say that. Of course I'm not God. But for some reason I'd taken on way too much responsibility and felt that I was the person that could help. And it's just you sometimes need a reminder that, no, you can't do everything. I'm going to put that in a T-shirt for you. <laughs> <laughs> I am not God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds so stupid, doesn't it? But it's no, like, it's, it's so true. true. Especially when you're a business owner and you're, you've got this mission behind your business. It's completely different if you had an e-commerce business yep. where you're like, here's some jumpers, yep. here's some sweatshirts, yep. go, 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 make yep. the money. But it's not. It's so much more than that. Yeah. The community is so much more than that. And so with that comes this feeling of responsibility and even in terms of like employees you know things like that like Mm. or even just outsourcing parts Mm. of your business to somebody else the responsibility Mm. is it it, is huge and yeah like learning to let that go yeah it's such an art form and it's nothing that you learn once and then done it's just like the constant conversation you have to have with yourself I think it is I think it is because some 
I think it's also got to do with your own energy, doesn't it? Some days I want to be more involved and some days I'm like, oh, let's start this new project where we do this, this and this. We'll do this and I'll yeah. take it all. I'll feed you every day. Yeah, <laughs> I can handle that. I can take it on. But then there's, you know, the next week you don't have that energy anymore. And you're yeah. like, oh, God, what have I done? It's just, yeah. again, learning to listen to your body, learning yeah. to know how much you can take on and when to... I have learned <clears throat> to ride my emotional wave because I... Um, get these like really intuitive hits about really cool things that I can do and I get so excited and I'm like execute execute mm. execute and sometimes that's really useful because I think sometimes in the gap you can find lots of excuses not to do yeah. big scary things yeah. but one of the things I have learned I have to do is I have to give it at least 48 hours yeah. and ride that emotional wave because yeah, sometimes what seems like a good idea at the time might not be for now, yeah. or it might not even be for yeah. me. Yeah. It might be somebody <laughs> else's idea. <laughs> yeah. like, let yeah. that one go. Yeah. Let somebody else execute yeah. that. But it's so fun when you're in those brainstorming moments, isn't it? Yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, I'm basically Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you wake up the next morning, you're like, nah, still Emily. Yeah, that was actually a stupid idea. <laughs> what am I thinking? Even Oprah wouldn't have done yeah. that. <laughs> What is one of the core beliefs that you have that you feel has sort of supported you throughout your business and cancer journey? Yeah, I think, um, which is this kind of linking into something I said earlier, but it's the importance of community and that sense of belonging that I think everyone should have, especially when you're going through moments of crisis, chapters of crisis like cancer. Like I was talking about, those conversations that I had with the friends were vital. And as supportive and lovely as friends and family can be, they, you know, unless they've been through cancer, they just don't get it. They just can't be that inner community that will give you this type of support that only they can give. Um, I also remember when I got diagnosed that, you know, some of my friends, some of my gorgeous friends, just completely dropped off because they didn't know what to say and they didn't know how to support me. And for some of them, they were in their own personal life were going through some pretty heavy stuff and so they just didn't have capacity. But at the time, I was just so hurt by that because the conversation around cancer was was so foreign to us as 26-year-olds. You know, we'd, we'd heard of aunties or uncles or, you know, grand, grandparents having cancer, but someone so young, it was... It was really confronting. It is really confronting. I don't think it matters what age, but it is really hard. And that is why I write a lot of the blogs and try and put it in very um, colloquial, real, very sweary language so that it does make it easier to read and easier to understand and easier easier to feel heard as a cancer warrior but to understand and support as as a, a friend. But, yeah, I think I think that's... When, you know, I'm having shitty days with bravery and I'm like, why am I doing this? I think back to my 26-year-old self and I think back to, you know, having just those one or two people that I knew that had a similar cancer to me and I think, you know, this, this is why I'm doing it so that there's a place that, that girls can land, especially when they first got diagnosed, when it's really scary and you're told you're going to lose your hair and the oncologists hand you these terrible brochures unless a bravery brochure's in there, but terrible brochures that are filled with, like, you know, photos of 
60 or 70 year old women in their their beautiful chemo headwear that's usually a floral or a light pink and they're in some kind of wishy-washy clothing looking passively out a window smiling drinking a cup of tea that is the Mm. the imagery that I was bombarded with when I was first diagnosed and I think a big reason as to why I've started bravery and why I've built the brand to look the way it does with girls that look like they're strong and they're resilient um, and, you know, that they're going to bloody boss this cancer around, which I know there are days where you don't feel like that. I'm very aware that there's days where you can't even leave the bed. But, um, yeah, I, I was felt that there was such a lack of uh, yeah, imagery. that Representation. Yeah, yeah representation mm-hmm. that was of my age group and of, of what I felt as a, um, a cancer warrior. Yeah, Amazing. And I mean, community is the core of everything, isn't isn't it? Really, like like I said earlier, my friends all work nine to five, so and they probably look at my life and they're like, "Look at Emily, like flopping around, making a podcast, isn't that lovely? Oh, look at her, she's doing this like like posting on Instagram all day." And and they have every right to think that, but they actually don't know what it feels like. I have to have a group of entrepreneurial friends yeah. who are doing the same thing that I am doing, yeah. because if I don't. I feel even more isolated. It's very lonely. It's it's a really lonely process. And there's very few shittier feelings than feeling like I don't have anyone who can relate to what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because that's one of your questions about what's one of the challenges is of being a business owner is, and especially a sole trader, you know, it's just me. Yeah. Um, I do have a girl that helps me with social media and my sister packs and sends all my scarves but apart from that it's just me and it does get so lonely Mm. yeah and it does you sit at your I don't even have a dog (laughs) (laughs) you're more than welcome to borrow mine he's a bit of an arsehole if I'm going to be honest you can be whose voice would you love to hear shared on this podcast who can we give amplification to I I'm going to do a shout out to some of my cancer warrior friends Um, we've got Bryony Benjamin um, she's up in Sydney. She's just um, she was a video producer, I think, head of video um, at Mamma Mia, wow. um, and she uh, got Hodgkin's lymphoma as well. Um, she got it really badly, actually, uh, and she documented it all. She's fr- pretty like me. I feel like she was like, "Oh, I've got cancer. No worries. I'll create a billion <laughs> fo- videos and a uh, you know videos that will go viral." And yeah, she's yeah. she's pretty great. She's also just released a book which is uh, Life is Tough, but so are you. So she's you should definitely interview her. And then if you can get, well, in your home uh, homeland, Leanne Pedro, Apero, sorry, who is a phenomenal entrepreneur. She does a billion things, but she's also a cancer warrior. She had breast cancer. Um, so off the bat of that has started something, a project, a movement called Black Women Rising, which is, um, I suppose giving representation to black women that have cancer because there is very little of it and the challenges that they go through both culturally and well mainly culturally is just so different like having a chat with her I was my mind was blown I didn't know half the stuff that that she had to deal with as well as all the cancer crap so god I'd never even thought of it that which just just goes to show my own white privilege, doesn't yeah. it? That yeah. it had never even occurred to me. Yeah. That yeah. as a black woman with cancer, you yeah. have other obstacles yeah. that you have to overcome. Yeah. Well, such, such – and, I mean, please interview her. This is – this might be not be 
100% correct, but it's in a lot of cultures, their cultures, um, it's it's almost shameful to get cancer. So you're hidden away, not supported, your family's embarrassed. And, yeah, imagine that just you shuffled off to chemo and then shuffled back home again because you, you don't want anyone to know. You don't want to bring shame on the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Oh, God, I the just world can't is even imagine. Isn't it? Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? And you just think, geez, aren't I lucky for having cancer as as a white woman? I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. Very, Thank you so, so lucky. much. I will hunt those women. Yes. Down. Yeah. At least follow them on Instagram, everyone. Yeah. Um, I will link their profiles in the show notes. And finally, how can listeners get involved with you? Obviously, we'll link your beautiful website and your Instagram account. Do you have anything that's coming up at the moment? Any particular offers? I do. I do. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, the first way would be follow me on Instagram, whether it's, yeah, just as uh, someone that doesn't know much about cancer, I do share a lot of cancer stories, which are not, they are very real and raw, but they're not super heavy and sad. There's a lot of strength and so resilience. much funness. Yeah. Uh, is funness a word? Anyway, yes. there's so much funness in your writing. You're, yeah. like, like you mentioned earlier, you're really, like, I don't know you normalize it you every day yeah. it there is humor and lightness yeah. to the way that you write that I really appreciate and I You're think a phenomenal writer actually oh, thank you oh. I think also the way that I interview these girls you know I ask questions that doesn't make their stories feel like a you know a medical history it's the answers that I get from some of these women are just incredible um so yeah follow me on Instagram but also if you want to support me jump on and buy a scarf this mm. is the way that I pay pay the rent you don't need to have cancer to wear one of my scarves. Christmas is nearly around the corner. Um, they are beautiful. They are. That's also something I haven't talked about is like, yeah, each each scarf is made in collaboration with an artist, an illustrator. And some of these artists are like, as an art director, I have been stalking and idolising some of these, these people for years. And the fact that I've done collaborations with these brands and artists like Kip and Co and Slow Down Studio and uh, Becky Orpen, James Dore, Mary Lou Foyle, I have to pinch myself like that that gives me real kicks out of my my work so they are beautiful also um i have a really really special day coming up at peter mac where it's a big day of um of basically pampering um chicks that are having treatment at the moment um that'll be at the end of october um we have people doing makeup nails massage we have mocktail juice mocktails we have lots of goodie bags we have uh, a bit of you know yoga and I want to give away a scarf to every girl that attends so um, obviously I'm saving up the money but I would love it if this is something that you are in a position to do you could jump on the website and potentially buy a scarf to donate to a warrior I would love it if you could write a little note for me to give to the girl um, that receives it a little um, message of you know encouragement love um just knowing that someone a stranger is cheering them on yeah so i mean if you've ever been in that position where you don't know what to do to help a shitty cancer situation well this is this is a very actionable (laughs) thing that you could do that would really really help and really make this day super super special so personal as well which makes it so much nicer than just donating money to a yeah 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 organization it's Um, really lovely it's that personal yeah, and you'll see this day. Uh, hopefully, I'll post lots of photos with the obviously the permission of um, the girls that attend. But yeah, you'll you'll actually see how big, bold, colourful scarves um, can yeah really really help and would really make it super special for girls to walk away with um with a bravery scarf and 
feeling all pampered and nice and uh, lovely, just doing something nice in the hospital instead of getting filled with mm. a bag full of chemo. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Emily, you have been so generous in your time and just how you're showing up in the world. What a beautiful, bright, wonderful light Aww. of a human being you are. Thank, Thank you for you. making the world a better space. Thank you for your beautiful scarves. Thank you for your stories, your words. And um, it's been an honour to share this hour with you. Honour to share this hour. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for inviting there. me. Oh, my God. How amazing is Emily Summers? If you weren't already checking out Bravery Co whilst listening to that episode go and do it now get around those headscarves if you can please do donate a headscarf to a cancer warrior buy one for yourself even Um, they're just such beautiful prints amazing quality and just for such a good cause and also just Emily's just such a cool chick I you know when you meet someone and you're like oh you and I have got to be friends from here on in we have got to be good friends so I'm in the process of making sure that that happens right now. I'm like, hey, Em, want to hang out? Anyway, Emily and I um, have got something really special for anybody who is a member of Behind the Scenes. So Behind the Scenes is a $7 a month membership. It's a great way to support the podcast and the guests that come on. And for your $7 a month, you get to listen to extra bonus podcast episodes from me, but also from the guests. So Emily and I had a chat about what to do when your loved one or a friend is diagnosed with cancer. Like, how do you act? What do you say? How do you get it not wrong, right? Because we can never get anything right or wrong. But like, how do we not really fuck it up? And this was a really personal and close to my heart discussion because even when my mum was diagnosed with cancer I didn't really know how to behave I didn't know what to say I really struggled sometimes to know how to communicate with her as sad as that sounds and um, Emily came through with some stellar advice and just she's just got the most beautiful wonderful nature about her and so the way that she delivered that advice is just so kind and so generous and makes total sense so it's definitely um, an episode worth listening to if you are a member of behind the scenes if you're not a member of behind the scenes yet what are you doing jump on in it's seven dollars a month there's so many brucey bonuses that you get alongside the extra podcast episodes head to the link in the show notes have a quick read jump on say yes get involved be part of the community because together we can make some phenomenal change in this world (laughs) 